0: we are live no hello and welcome to another episode of strong tea i'm vicky and i'm katie and if you haven't joined us before why not we have done nearly 100 episodes now we have been out there for over a year and a half now yeah that's yeah. crazy isn't it Long time. yeah But if you haven't got any of our back catalogue, please do. But Strong Tea is all about talking about topics that some people consider taboo or controversial. Topics that people tend to stick their head in the sand about instead of talking it through and learning more about it. And today's episode is no exception. We're going to cover a topic that for some can be difficult to listen to, but we should all be learning and talking about more. But before we introduce our inspiring guest today... We have a tradition where we find out what everyone is drinking. Strong tea wouldn't be without tea, would it? Well, yeah. you say yeah. that,
1: but then last time you drank coffee, so... That is
0: very true. Yeah, yeah so that's very true. I, I did see. let the side Let's down. just see where it goes, yeah. Yeah, let's see what happens. So Sandeep, who's joining us today. <laughs> Hi! Hi! What are you drinking, lovely? Oh, I'm drinking
2: El Grey Twinings, mate, to be specific. Very, very nice. I think it's definitely grown on me. It's very um, got a distinct taste, distinct flavor. And um, I feel like I've become a tea connoisseur, if that's even a thing, nice. of the okay. Twinings world. I, I'm very, I've got a soft spot for that. Yeah. Nice. The El nice. Grey food, sweet and flowery and scent <laughs>
0: Nice. Oh, I like
1: it. I actually considered an Earl Grey today, but dived off at the last minute. So that's interesting.
0: I've heard yeah. people drink milk with Earl Grey. Are you a milk or no milk? You are a milk with Earl Grey. I'm a, oh, a milk with Earl Grey.
1: Yeah. Just a little bit.
2: Yeah, just just a little bit. Yeah, because then you don't want to overpower it. Um, I don't know how milk would do that in Earl Grey. But it, it. I think the only tea that I don't have milk with is green tea and peppermint tea, I think. That that would be those two teas that were and fruity teas. Mm, yeah, I just I don't know.
0: I, I haven't really actually tried it to be honest. I will probably have right. to try and test it. Is Earl yeah. Grey the only tea besides breakfast tea and so on that you would add milk with though? Because I can't think of any other one that you would.
1: Um, they do a Lady Grey tea. If oh, you've God. heard of that, that is really mm. nice. That's like Earl Grey, so it's kind of like delicate. But it's scented and flavored slightly with oranges, so it's just oh. very delicate. It, that's really lovely. And again, that's when you can add a touch of it too, if you want to. But you can have it without and just drink it with a slice of orange, if you're so inclined. Mm. That's not bad. I'm going to give that a try. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Not every not every supermarket sells it, but it's it's good if you can get it.
2: Nice. That's a Twinings
1: one too. Yeah. Nice. That's it. I'm gonna start my sooner. Mind blown. <laughs> Mind blown. blown. Educate,
0: educate the world on teas. I love it. Brilliant. <laughs> well you what what have you gone for, Vicky? Uh well you know me. It's gotta be Yorkshire Gold, isn't it? Oh. You're becoming too predictable. You need to mix it up, man. I'm just so desperate for that Mm. sponsorship, babe. (laughs) I I really want Yorkshire Tea to sponsor (laughs) us. I I feel one day.
1: One day you're going to rock up and you're going to be wearing Yorkshire Tea t shirt, some sort of hat. Hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I've I've gone for a I've gone for a pucker peace tea, nice and calming. Oh. No, it mm. it's got that oh, spearmint yeah. and hemp and stuff in it uh-huh. that one that i can't say you know the ash ash wagner thingy oh yeah oh, that one yeah that one that. yeah yeah that's <laughs> the one it's supposed to be good for anxiety and calming and all that sort of thing but it's it's got like a, like a quite a sweetish edge to it so it's
0: supposed to be calming but it makes you stress trying to say that word it does
1: every <laughs> yeah. time I think I'll select that tea then I'm like I'm gonna say what's in it and I can't say that but you know by now our listeners hopefully if they've listened to before will be like oh it's that thing she can't say yeah, so yeah it's fine <laughs> is that thingy box tea <laughs> yeah it's that one it's that one that's good for the anxiety it's fine. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well good a good round of teas today yes oh yeah nice our is strong nice good yeah, mix nice. good mix So without further ado, we've all got our cuppers, so we might as well dive in. And it's my job today to introduce the wonderful Sandeep. And I would be far pushed to find a more inspirational person to be joining us today to talk about her experiences and sandeep is a what's called a lived experience mental health advocate and she'll go into a little bit more about what that means but i'm just going to tell you a few points about sandeep and what she does she's a professional marketer she's a philanthropist she's a public speaker she's a mental health first aider she's a happy heads former co-director she's a mind media volunteer she's a rethink mental health charity committee member Time to Change London Champion, Samaritans Volunteer, National Suicide Prevention Alliance Influencer, South Asian Health Action Mental Health Ambassador, Queen Mary University of London Mentor, to name but a few strings of her bow. And today is an extremely, extremely poignant day uh, for Sandeep, and I'm going to let her tell you why. But what I will do before we commence with the episode is I will say that we will add a trigger warning here. Um, We will be talking a lot about mental health um, conditions and also suicide. So it might be a topic that's difficult for some people to listen to. So we just want you to have a heads up just at this point, just in case. So Sandeep, after all of that, (laughs) can you tell us your story, lovely, and also why today is so significant for you?
2: First of all, thank you both so, so much from the bottom of my heart to just have me on and to to have a podcast like this to share. It's such inspirational stories. So thank you so, so much and a huge privilege to be on. Secondly, I'm always in awe in terms of all the work that not only me as an advocate um, that I do from a mental health point of view, but how we've just created over all these years a mental health army of advocates, all striving towards the same goal, to fight stigma and discrimination around mental health. So I am honored to have and wear those many hats, but believe you me, I am just one person, um, trying to do my best um, as much as I can to, you know, to challenge, you know, the world that we live in today around mental health, really. So today is obviously the 29th of August um, 2023. The reason why this specific date sits very, very closely in my heart, it's to be honest with you, it's nine nine years where I try to take my own life on Friday, the 29th of August, through 2013. So it's it's hard. One for me. It's a difficult one for me. And I can't go into so much depth into how that really impacts me. But in a nutshell, if I go back a bit, I was diagnosed with anorexia nervosa, which is a type of eating disorder in the early in early 2012 into 13. And um, I was diagnosed with body dysmorphic disorder and obsessive-compulsive disorder. And having that suicide um, attempt in 2013 really, really got me at a difficult place in my life, um, in short. And with anyone going through struggles like that, there is so much more to it. And on that specific day, or on this day, nine years ago, I hit my darkest moment in my life. And to say it it's a feeling it's a feeling that lasts with you forever. And I was in so much pain, and to end that pain is to end end my life. And I had no other way out. And that was the only means to stop that pain, stop that hurt. And bear it in mind, for someone like me, it is not the, the thought of ending your life didn't occur in that very moment. It built up through many, many years since I was a toddler and there is so much life experiences, trials and tribulations that I went through, highs and lows that I went through, that I can only um, summarize it as an elastic band that has just been tightening its grip over my wrist for so many years. And then on that very day, nine years ago, that elastic band snapped. So it's not a case of sort of there and then you think about, you know, suicide, it can happen at any moment and it can also happen over a period of time as well so i definitely want to to mention that and when you're going through a situation like that the thoughts that i had in my mind and i can only best describe it as the angel voice and the devil voice the angel voice saying sandeep you need to be here you are loved you are appreciated You've got your mum, you've got your dad, your brother. staying with them and stay for them. And you've got the devil voice saying the complete opposite, the irrational thought that would say, you're, you're not worthy of living and breathing, Sandeep. You've neglected your family before. You will do that again. You're a burden. You don't deserve to live. So imagine that. Pl- those two conflicting thoughts playing over and over in your mind and you're being pulled from one side to another consistently and what felt like a few minutes lasted in my mind for a long time you know that feeling and um, I don't want to go through the means and methods but it the way I got out of that thought process is my mum hearing her voice and focusing my attention to her voice as a familiar voice is someone that I know, someone that I've always known since I've, you know, um, since my mum been carrying me, you know, it's a familiar voice, it's that innate motherly voice. And I stuck with it. I focused with that voice and listening to that voice. And that is the only thing in addition to my faith. um, I'm a firm believer that my um, faith definitely plays a part and still plays a part. Those two elements brought me out of that thinking it st- me out, essentially, um, of that um, thought process, really. And I'm blessed. I'm truly, truly blessed that my mum was there. My faith was strong. And I continued to listen to the rational thought as much as I could, the angel voice as much as I could and as and as hard as I could. And it snapped me out. I needed that snapping out mm-hmm. and that talking to, really. And that's what, that's what basically got me out of that thinking. And that's when the, the tables turned. That's when I realised that I needed to do something. I needed to seek help ASAP.
1: I want to ask a question that might be quite difficult to answer because obviously you just talked a little bit about the sort of process there in terms of the angel and the devil. I've heard, you know, I've... I know people who have um, lost their lives by suicide and I've heard people refer to it as a very selfish way out, almost. um, And I've also heard it referred to as an easy way out. And I use inverted commas because, my goodness, I can't imagine what it takes to be in a place to do that. Can you just try and explain a little bit of the thought process Because a lot of people are confused about when people are in a suicidal place, why they don't just reach out, why they don't ask for help. And trying to understand why someone is that desperate and cannot do that is very difficult for people. So are you able to try and explain it as best you can? And I know that's a difficult question. Yeah,
2: no, sure, Katie.
1: Um, And this is what it's all about. I think it
2: firstly um, goes down to the language. And, and for so many years, as you've alluded to, Katie, like suicide is seen as a criminal act, quote unquote, for many years, is seen as an act of punishment, self-punishment, self-infliction on yourself. And it's like you said, an easy, quote um, unquote, unquote, easy way out. And to summarize, language is where we need to start first and foremost number one priority and getting that right saying words such as commit suicide even attempt suicide is a way of um it's a way of a no way out you know it's a way of um losing that self-control you know in that person and by saying you know, died by suicide or a suicide survivor is a way of bringing that self-ownership back to that person and, and seeing them as a human and for who they are. Commit attempt sounds a bit um, uh, abrupt to me, very um, uh, self-blame as well, and that accountability factor. So account, definitely language, first and foremost. Secondly, it's um, even just going back to my point earlier around language, even the word suicide can be a trigger as well, can um, can be a tedious sort of um, word to even mention in everyday conversation as well. To get out of that mentality, number two, we need um, lived, lived and experienced advocates. We need people that have gone through it, that have gone through that hardship and have come out the other end stronger we need to hear from them we need to amplify their voices and champion that the only way we're going to know how it is to to be in their shoes you can't totally feel and be in their shoes you can't totally understand but you can you can begin to unpick what they're feeling and and what they felt you know so we need advocates we need survivors to come out and speak more and and voice their thoughts and voice their journeys that they've been on. There's so much power in storytelling and we need to hear it from them for change to occur. We need to hear it from them because they are are the people that we need to hear from. Tied into that, we need to hear um, and recognise those that have been bereaved by suicide, parents, carers and guardians. They say one death by suicide affects a huge group of people that they leave behind, unfortunately. And those people are parents. Those people are carers. Those people are guardians and and so forth. It's a whole network that is affected by one person's um, passing. We need to give them that attention, that support that they need, the right support and help that they need. And... I guess fourthly, in the mix of that, we need to think about the wider macro level. So we need to think about mental health organizations and charities out there. Those are our suicide prevention and awareness charities as well. We need to think about and consider very, very carefully co-production and collaboration at all levels, locally, regionally, and nationally. So we need to think about um, building that rapport and relationship in having advocates, um, and those that have been bereaved by suicide, those that have been directly affected to have their voice heard and supported by the larger um, mental health organizations and and charities out there and vice versa. It's definitely a two-way relationship and it needs to be a two-way relationship for change to occur. And what I was saying to you from the onset, over time we have created this army, this network of mental health advocates we need to champion that and and feel that they can be empowered to use their voice to help others to fight stigma. That's the only way we need to get talking. We need to open up. We need to even know that the fifth point, um, that it's okay to talk about suicide. It's okay to talk about topics like this. It's only seen as to a, a taboo topic, quote unquote, because it has been... Brush underneath the carpet for many years. So the more we have people talking about it, the more we'll be able to normalize this conversation, this topic around suicide and mental health wider. So all those elements. So there's many there, many many more to touch on. They need to be. Um, uh, they need. There needs to be that uh, interrelationship between all those elements there to really build that momentum and make change happen for people to know it's okay you know to talk about suicide it's not a sign of weakness especially in men as well especially in deeper communities um for ethnic minorities as well um there's that there's this whole conversation to be had around that as well so it gets deeper
0: yeah i think it's you know you've hit the nail on the head there in terms of The power of visibility Mm -hmm. and not just the topic as you said the people their backstories the the charities it's that that visibility so people can see and start to understand because Mm -hmm. you often hear people you know saying i i don't know what drove them to take their own life or try and take their own life so going back to your story Could you tell us what it was like for you day by day, living with uh, a BDD, anorexia nervosa, obsessive compulsive disorder, how did this build up to to what happened Mm. on that day? Mm. So with me,
2: the um, eating disorder, the anorexia nervosa, BDD and OCD, it started when I was a toddler at the tender age of three, four years old. And um, I, it's one of those things where it stemmed from my childhood and, and then it amplified as I grew um, grew older and it played out in my teens and my um, adult years, my early adult years. And it's still something that I go through till this day. So I'm, I, when I advocate, I will always say that I'm a lived, living experience advocate because when someone's going through mental health issues, it's not a magic wand, you know, waved over your head all problem solved and there you go, you're always gonna be having highs and lows with your mental health, like with your physical health is exactly the same. They need to be seen in the same light and talked about in the same light. You know, you can have a cut, you can have a bruise, you can have a flu one day and it disappears. Exactly the same sort of principle and understanding needs to be applied when talking about mental health. So mental health for me has always been there since I was a toddler and it has exasperated and the, the biggest um, change, or sh- shall I say, the, the biggest chapter for me was in in 2012. Um, sorry, yeah, between 2012 and 2016. That was the biggest change for me. It has built over many years. You know, I have been told by numerous amount of people, um, you know, all these name calling misconceptions around my weight, my body. And and the way I look, that constant comparison as well. I have given myself a talking to. So it's definitely that self-critical voice that has stuck with me. I um, hold other people's or I have always held other people's opinions to high regard and of value than myself. You know, I've I've validated or I lived by my my life by what other people have said about me in relation to my body and my weight so having all these um, experiences shall I say from different types of people saying it to myself as well and believing it internalizing it it's all I've ever known and the more you internalize these these voices the, the this monster and I call it the monster voice because that's what it is that's what BDD and anorexia nervosa is it's an irrational Um, thinking that seeps into your mind where you believe you are fat you believe you are broad shouldered you believe you are imperfect you've got numerous flaws on you and you're overweight and all these different things that you start to believe the more you start to believe it it's it's it feels like it's no go no no going back and you're trapped and you start to think tunnel vision like whereas um You just basically think about yourself, your weight, your eating and things like that and hold negative comments more than positive comments. Positive comments just sweep in and sweep out. And I couldn't even tell you the last positive comment. It probably is probably a few weeks ago, but it sweeps over my head. I remember negative comments more. And that's what I guess cognitive behavioral therapy does. And that's a type of therapy for those that don't know. It's a framework where you um, work through your chat and work through challenging your negative thoughts into positive thoughts. And it's hard to do. It's very, very hard to do. Your mind, when you're thinking like that, it is like reprogramming a computer, you know? Because there's so many thoughts in your mind that have built over time. And for me, it's not just one mental health issue that I have. It's a multitude here, you know, at least four here that I can think of. That I've that I've lived through and coped with, and the only way I cope with it is family, is therapy um, through the NHS and privately medication I was on as well. Support support from charities out there, um, my own faith, going to the gurdwara, going to the temple provides me with that solace and tranquility, and other self care as well that I found over time and learned about myself and what I do like and what I don't like and what's the preference for me so it's definitely not not one size fits all I definitely believe that for someone like me if I was a twin you can you can be diagnosed with the same condition but go through completely different experiences in your life in general so it has exasperated like I said I think highs and lows and I'm still going through that today and I've been struggling I probably say even more so the last year or so um so it has been the last year definitely has um i guess been the next evolution of my mental health journey where i see myself um recognizing new behaviors recognizing new rituals that have that have that i um see happening but the main thing is through the help and through the therapy I, I now know the red flags. I know, now know the best ways to cope with it, the, the coping mechanisms and the safety behaviours that I imply. So I'm consciously aware of that now. And that's the only, um, that's one of the, the positive things that I think therapy has definitely helped me with is to think about when I'm having those thoughts, to really think about those thoughts, to capture them in the moment, and write them down or take a mental note of it and things like that, so journaling has helped. So in short, has always stayed with me, all these thoughts around eating, weight, um, that low self-esteem, that disgust I feel within me and outside, the feeling that other people are judging me and the list goes on, Vicky and Katie, honestly. And I've always lived with that and it's just evolved. It's just evolved over many, many years. And here I am on the twenty ninth of August, two thousand twenty three, at the age of thirty four years old, still going through that. And yeah, it's been it's been a journey to date, definitely.
1: It sounds like a, a lifelong battle, and I think it's something that people that are lucky enough not to experience mental health problems to not truly appreciate and understand just how much sometimes just getting up in the morning actually takes and just battling through not even a day, even an hour. So, I I mean, my heart goes out to you, but thank you for your strength in coming on today and talking about this because it is so important. Um, My question relates really, I mean, you talked about from the age of three that, that's when you remember things sort of ramping up and you, you've you been struggling since then. And it obviously came to the pinnacle on that day, 29th of August. Can you talk a little bit about what the aftermath was like for you in terms of not just for yourself with your thoughts and your feelings, but also what it was like for the people around you? And just sort of like generally, where did... Where did that leave your life? Hmm.
2: Difficult position. Um, I think for me personally, going going through that, it was just a moment of I I was in complete distraught and, and the pain was still there emotionally, definitely still there. And it was just that moment of what did I try to just do? What did I do? why did I do it and it was that moment of reflection in that moment and I was lucky enough to have my mum there who found me and to be honest with you when she did find me no words were said we immediately went home and started to research into private therapy I was on the waiting list for the NHS secondary secondary psychological care. It was a seven-month wait, but I needed that help ASAP. Mm. And I knew I needed that help as soon as possible. And I am privileged to to have a family that is so supportive, has been a pillar of strength for me. And I believe that everything happens for a reason. I'm a firm believer of that. And I think when we started to go through and research therapists and counselors, I didn't feel alone. I felt as if they were with me on this journey. And that was so important that they, they were a part of my journey, my, my support element. And we were doing it together. And it was important that we together at that very moment in time. It was hard, it was very, very difficult for me to comprehend and even think about um, considering counseling. I didn't even know what that was. To be honest with you, I didn't even know what mental health was or what even suicide was. Never crossed my mind, never, ever, ever. And it's only when um, we delved into it further after many doctor's appointments as well and many counseling sessions only then were i able to unpick that world. What is it that I was going through? There was a name as to what I was going through, the diagnosis. And I was able to learn. And there was a lot of self-learning as well, a lot of Google searching, a lot of talking to um, the relevant people as well. And my parents did the same. They, they began to learn. They began to understand. They began to um, understand more about the world of mental health and suicide prevention and awareness. So they are very... I guess all of us now are definitely well equipped, shall I say, there's still much more learning to do. um, And there's still a a long way to go, but I guess the word here is together, you know, going to the doctors together, experiencing and finding that support for me together. You know, so important to have that support and be handheld, you know, I can put my hand up and safely say, I needed that hand, I needed their hand to guide me through. And I'm so lucky and so honored and I count my lucky stars every single day. And this is why I advocate, you know, I've I've been, be, I think I feel like I've been given this another life, you know, to, to do something good with it. And this is where advocacy comes in. And I don't want anyone to, to suffer anymore. And I won't stop till, you know, people people don't feel that hurt anymore and struggle with their mental health.
0: I think I'm speaking on behalf of Katie as well, but you are just so strong with what you're talking about. Your strength and your passion absolutely shines through. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess with what you were talking about, seven months waiting list, Mm -hmm. I know the NHS is under pressure. I know there are political and, uh, you know, all these impacts. When seven months is obviously far too late for a lot of people. Just shy of a decade with, um, you know, trying to take your own life. Have things got better, do you think? I know you said you, you'd done all the research and, you know, your parents, they did all the research. Do you think it's got any better just shy of a decade later?
2: Better? oh that's a very interesting very interesting question Vicky because I don't know if I would summarize it as better I'd probably say it's a journey it's a it's a journey that I
0: I'm, definitely oh, I'm sorry I meant kind of resources sorry stu- oh, resource, yes. i understand. So, yeah it, sorry yeah. I was talking way too fast there and my brain was kind of <laughs> <laughs> no, no
2: problem. No, in terms of the, the mental health world in general and the resources yeah. and support, yes definitely definitely in a stronger position than we were, say, five, six plus years ago. Definitely. I think, um, take, for example, my my community and my culture and, and where I'm, where I come from and what I'm all about. Um, I'm a British Asian woman. And my parents are, my mom was born in Uganda, my dad was born in Kenya. So there is that, um, there is that intergenerational trauma that comes with it as well. And for so many years my community has lived through things like the Ugandan Asian expulsion in the early 70s for example my mom's side have gone through that and my dad's side as well so in essence with the um, south asian community i don't i don't want to i don't want to speak for the entire community but just to generalize that that is you know there are there is inter- intergenerational trauma in essence and that's just one example but we have come so far and people generally and also people in um, ethnic minority groups are beginning to open up, are beginning to know that it's OK to not be OK and it's OK to speak out about the traumas and the struggles that they've endured 20, 30, 40 plus years ago. It's with the support we have now and what we have available with mental health. It's it's far more phenomenal than what we've ever had before but it's a work in progress you know there there is so many so much more areas to develop locally regionally and nationally there is obviously the wider support from the government as well and um, i believe they're coming coming out with a suicide um prevention strategy in, in a couple of months soon so there are great progress um that has been made but we are merely making ripples here we need to make waves and that can only be done um in with small incremental changes here but definitely in short so so much has improved so much has improved especially with the the burst of digital tech and, and social media as well used wisely
1: absolutely and it can can be used unwisely can't it because mm-hmm. we know about we so, social media and the impact that it can have on mental health and you know, especially, I suppose, people in your situation where you talked about the body dysmorphic disorder and the anorexia, seeing other people on social media posting and constantly having that, oh, my God, that person looks better. Oh, my God, that person looks thinner, that person. It's it's constant, isn't it? It used to just be in magazines and possibly on the television, and now it's everywhere all of the time. So, um yeah I think the social media side of things has has had a big impact I wanted to touch back you talked about your background and your community can you talk a little bit about what the taboos are around mental health and suicide in relation to religion and faith and race because I know you touched on this right at the very start of our chat and you said it's a much deeper conversation we take for example that uh, sorry, we take it for granted that the work that's being done for the mental health community is being done for everyone and actually different people need different things, right? Mm, absolutely, absolutely. Not one size fits all,
2: Katie, first and foremost. And um, there is, you know, great work that's that has been done and um, so much more that needs to be done. And if you look at deeper into different ethnic ethnic minority groups, it gets deeper than that, it gets challenging than that. And um, even say it will be so different from a black community versus a South Asian community and the needs there. Bearing in mind, everyone is um, individual. You know, no matter what community you're from, no matter what background, no matter what culture, upbringing, you're a human at the end of the day. And it's trying to find that support for that particular individual and what they're going through and creating that well-being toolkit for them. Um, going back to your point in terms of um, just uh, the, the taboos, to name a few, in some cultures, Um, especially, I think, probably more so back home versus Western culture. Um, There is a lot of taboo around seeing suicide, particularly in – I think suicide, yeah, suicide and mental health, I'd say, as a sin. It's seen as um, uh, – in some faith groups as a um, uh, – uh, an act of treason against god's will it's seen as a sin it's seen as also um a curse that is put on the individual and there is even down to um some african cultures you know witchcraft you know they see suicide and mental health and having a issue like that mentally in your mind as um you know a, dis- a disgusting thing to have quote unquote you know it's a it's a it's a it's a dark secret that you only keep to yourself because you are inflicted with all these different things in the community so it's definitely um ingrained in the community you know it's societal thinking societal ways um, and this is all individual as to what um ethnic minority group you've been brought up in and things like that but there is a huge difference just just alone from western culture versus obviously back home there is so much more um out there as well and it's a case even in my own community you know the whole um concept of colorism you know the fairer you are the, the prettier you are you know and it's it's the whole um beauty norms as well that have been ingrained in in you know our culture that's definitely one and um, you know young girls and even boys have have thought throughout the many years and societal thing that being fairer being fair colored the whiter you are the prettier you are the whiter you are the more jobs prospects prospects you get you know you'll be promoted um, you'll, uh, you'll get married off, you know, you'll be a suitor for someone out there. So, and there's so many creams that make your your skin fairer as, as well. And that's something that I've done and went through when I was young. I thought many, many years ago when I did have that cream that it was for acne or spots. Turns out that it was a cream, a lightning cream, skin lightening cream. So it just goes to show that there is... So much secret, quote unquote, things that are happening behind the doors that no one sees. And um, we need to get that out in the open. We need to talk more about that and challenge that as, as much as we can. So not only for me personally have I endured name calling and misconceptions that have stuck with me for many years. It's also the outer appearance that I've been that I've physically gone out my way to change. So like like I said, yeah, skin coloring, skin lightening, um, so many diet fads that I've tried, slim, fast, you name it, weight watchers, grabbing my mom's exercise video at the tender age, age of 10, 11 years old, um, doing that, being exposed to social media, comparing yourself, benchmarking yourself. In short, whatever I do, whatever I have done till this date, It has never been perfect or it has never reached the beauty standards, quote unquote, of my larger community. So in short, it has stemmed. It's deeply stemmed and deeply rooted in our society, in our culture. And every culture is different and and comes with that different different, um, beauty norms different um, notions of what it is to have a mental health problem, what that means. And it's also a case also that, what will the family think? What will the other people think? What will the extended family members think? You know, you are bringing shame to the family if you dare, you know, bring to the table that you are struggling with schizophrenia or feelings of um, eating disorders and, and seeing a flaw in your body. You know, they're all brush underneath the carpet. And if that is vocalized, you'll be tainted. You know, you will lose that, um, you know, there is that pride in having your family name upheld in communities like that. And to avoid tainting that family name, you need to be seen to be perfect, quote unquote. So that means without no mental health issue, without no problem, without no suicide ideations, without nothing negative in your mind. And we all know that that is not possible um, to do that and to live with that. Mm. So this is these are some of the reasons as to why, obviously, what some of the things that have happened behind the scenes that are still happening behind the scenes, but we need to talk about it. We need to get out in the open. We need to challenge. The status quo that's put in—it's it. put there for a reason. It has developed over time by society and societal values, which has now been ingrained in our culture. We need to turn it on its head, and it's a slow burner. So that's one of the things we need to really work on deeper into our community.
0: I think you've you scratched, but um, on the surface there about the importance of intersectionality and kind of really understanding or where. You know, not that we consider taking one's own life as a one-size-fits-all, but theres it's going to affect different communities and different demographics differently Mm. because of that intersectionality. As you said, being uh, an ethnic minority and a female, there's going to be different pressures as opposed to, say, a different intersectionality. Mm. And I think raising Mm. awareness of what that means for people, because I don't think a large proportion of our listeners would have realised what you talked about in terms of that pressure, um, in terms of lightening the skin color, because and, and all that contribution to BDD and anorexia mm-hmm. because of the social um, expectations or what's uh, so a desirable, what's desirable there. Mm-hmm. So I think that's an incredibly interesting and poignant thing to to mm-hmm. have, have talked to us about um so i just want to say thank you for that because i don't think that has ever that point has ever been made in any of our issues that we've had mm. um but i'm going to change tact ever so slightly i would love for you to talk about the film that you're involved in absolute pleasure
2: first and foremost to be involved in in the documentary film so for those that no, don't know i um Cut long story short. Bit of background is I spoke at an event uh, pre-pandemic many years ago, and it was the first South Asian-led event where I spoke. And she shared, shared my step story. And in the audience was a filmmaker, and uh, she had a brilliant idea of the Breaking the Silence mental health series, um, docu-series, and she wanted to hear from three um, individuals, two um, families that have been bereaved by suicide, and one suicide survivor. She reached out to me um, after numerous amount of emails and calls and uh, she informed me about this project to be a part of that. And I'm blessed to say that um, in the early months of the lockdown in June, July, I believe, the documentary film was released and it's a co-pro- co-production, co-collaboration, teamwork and collaboration down to a call. Um, documentary film that I could not have done without the filmmaker and her support and her team as well as my family as well. It's called The Angel and the Devil and it's part of the um, Breaking the um, Silence uh, series and it's about my journey. It's about my journey um, of where I was before, where I am now as well Bearing in mind, it was released a couple of years ago, but obviously I've now gone through so so much more changes since then. But it gives you a snapshot of me, who I am, what I went through, what I'm all about, how I went through tough times with my mental health, and the support um, that I sought for, for myself with the support of my family and my faith. The big two Fs, family and faith for me. And um, it's around 30 minutes, so I, I definitely suggest, um, it's not an easy watch, so please do um, watch with uh, caution and um, hopefully, bottom line, it helps somebody out there. It resonates with somebody out there that is struggling and the struggle is real for them at that very moment in time. It can also be a real, hopefully, uh, a useful educational resource for, for many many others out there. I've known from um, from having that launch that has, you know, been it has had so much um, rapport and it has been used in online training for for mental health um, charities as well. So honored and blessed to have it out there now. And to be honest with you, a lot of anxiety before it was launched. I'm not going to lie. And when it was launched as well, um, a lot of worry, a lot of. Putting yourself out there in that way, in the public domain, it's now there permanently, even when I do, um, you know, as when I do depart this world, it's a material there that is going to be there for life. So I had that thinking as well. But the positive um, side to it, it's knowing that it will help somebody out there, even if it's one person in thousand people around this world it's doing its job and i really hope it continues to do justice to fighting the stigma and discrimination around mental health and generating awareness around suicide prevention and what people can do um, to get those conversations started and um, it's important to have conversations because mental health is invisible and we want to make
1: it visible absolutely and we will, um, if you can send us the link for that, we will pop it onto our blog post so that people can um, check it out and have a watch of that. Um, you mentioned um, two F's family and faith, and you've already spoken about the importance of family and the together element and seeking help together. I want to touch on what you said about faith because very recently we had a wonderful woman on called Bella who talked about her bipolar disorder and how Mm -hmm. she said she would not have survived had it not been for her faith. Mm -hmm. Just want to kind of get your take on it and see how your faith has helped you through not just your suicide attempt but the, sorry that's the wrong terminology, you know, when you went to take your own life but also through your entire journey because it has been a long one hasn't it
2: it has been a very very long one still on that road uh I still have suicide ideations um I probably say the most recent one recent one was end of last year to this year so it's still live for me and it's still apparent but I vocalize it I talk about it I share it ASAP Mm -hmm. and um for me for faith where I tried to take my own life nine years ago to this day was in fact a gurdwara. It was in fact a place of worship. And I feel like I've come full circle. I feel with my faith alone, it has definitely strengthened and I've become much more spiritual and um, definitely don't take my life for granted. Um, anymore and it has definitely given me that space to reflect and find me again mm-hmm. or on that journey to find me again and just to be and and for me it means just to be sandy you know just to be a daughter a sister um you know a, a cousin sister whatever that is and I'm still learning I'm, I'm still learning trying to find what me quote quote Unquote, unquote, looks like, and faith helps me and guides me and gives me the tools. When I go to the gurdwara, and we try and do this once a month um, as a family, we do, we go to the gurdwara and then we do a positive session, session, which is our family trusted circle. And for those that don't, don't know, it's just a space for us, which you can try as well at home, a, a place for us to talk through our positives and negatives as a family. So we tie that in, and Going, going to the Gurdwara gives us that moment of peace gives us that moment of tranquility. I am not one where I can easily meditate um, It's not easy for me when someone says to me do all these apps, do all these things um, you know all these mindfulness apps it's great you know it works for some and I definitely advocate that. But for me it doesn't um, it doesn't work as effectively as say just sitting in silence. Being in tune with your thoughts and your five senses, and focusing on your on your breathing whilst listening to prayers happening in in the gurdwara for me it provides a lot of tranquility, a lot of solace. and um, because we're because it's where I try to take my own life, I have that deeper um, deeper connection with my faith now. I think before um before that time my faith was strong and um you know i used to go to punjabi school and and uh, you know play the um the religious instruments and things like that when i was a teen but then i lost my way and i'm not gonna lie i did lose my way um when i was um an adult and like i said firm believer that everything happens for a reason and it was in that moment where I try to take my own life unplanned in a place of worship that coming out of that my faith has grown ever stronger um, with my family support as well and we've always been um, closely aligned with our faith number one for us you know we will always pray as a family we always still do that and it's that togetherness again you know and it's doing things together going to the gudwara together Doing the pos and negs as a family together, mm-hmm. um, so there is that definitely that that community that comes with it, and being of a Sikh faith, it's a it's a school of a school of thought really. I say the Sikh faith is There, there is a lot of um, philosophies that really stick with me, such as selfless service. Um, thinking about the whole world and and what we do and what we are as humans as one so there's lots of teachings that I've learned from my own faith that I can directly apply to my own life and um, and it has helped me a lot so in short faith has definitely always been there I have lost my footing with faith previously Mm. and it's now stronger than it has ever been and there was, there was a time where I could say that I was even ashamed of moving away from faith, being an Asian woman, you know, being a person of color.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And faith has given me that confidence to be strong and, and to embrace every inch of you and who you are. And you are a gift in this world and you're here for a reason and you're celebrating who you are as a person. And having that and holding that to high regard than anything else, And so faith has definitely, yeah, been a very, very, or has played a very, very strong role and and still does till this day
1: and forever, I hope, yeah. So good to hear, because I think there are so many people that have struggles and battles and they don't have that strength and belief to turn to. And so Mm -hmm. it's wonderful to hear you speak like that. I just wanted to touch on, before Vicky goes to the final part, you talked a little bit there about how family is so important and, you know, you do the positives and negatives and you vocalise any time that you are in a dark place and you get it out there straight away and you sort of nip it in the bud and try to deal with it. Can you talk to us about, and I'm I'm thinking more for sort of like the wider audience so that people can get some thoughts on how to help themselves, what yeah. helped you, what helps you sort of come through that dark time and helps you deal with things now? And that might be spiritual things, might be holistic things, physical things, mental things, whatever, whatever works for you. What what is it? Number one, family.
2: Um, the two F's. I'm gonna probably say they definitely sit at the top there for me. So family, definitely number one. Number two, faith. And I know not everyone has a faith or they believe. Um in a religious entity or whatever that may be but self-belief is just as good as enough self-faith is just as good as enough even more um number three i definitely say what has helped me is um advocacy work turning what i've experienced into something that will help others is definitely um something very close to my heart and something that I've hold dear to uh, and, I, and I will always do that so advocacy work and sharing my journey sharing my story to help others and more importantly I don't want anyone to leave this world and I don't want them to feel that they're not good enough that they're not worthy and I don't want them to to feel that anymore and that burden and I, I wish I had a magic wand where I can cure everybody or make everyone um, happy you know, in, in their own skin. I think everyone um, would want that the same, but we have to be realistic. So advocacy work is definitely um, a close spot for me to share. And if you are struggling in silence and you're tuning in right now, please know that you're not alone. And we advocates are here for you. You know, we understand you and and we're here to know that you are loved and you are are appreciated and you're perfect in every way. Um, So I just wanted to mention that. And other tips that I've learned over time is there's no shame in seeking support from a professional or from um, other means. So going to see a GP, take somebody with you, please go and see a GP. Go and look into a therapist and counsellor. There are so many out there. There are so many that cover different area of specialism as well. And from someone like me where I suffer from more than one mental illness, it has took some time and I'm still on that journey trying to find therapists. therapist. That really covers both areas. So take your time, look into that, do your research and talk to the relevant people. Um, talk to your family members as well. So, But please do look into therapy and counselling and, and give it a go. You know, I've learned from trial and trial and error, really, to, to know what, what's right for me. So give that a go and, and explore that world. Other tips I'd say is... Um, conversations talking it out there are so many people that i know where they struggle to know where and how to start a conversation around mental health when they notice the red flags and they go with their gut instinct and know that something doesn't sit right or this person has changed their attitude and behavior or they used to come to work on all these different things all these red flags know that your gut is always right and Taking that step further to start conversations can be a tedious one. I'm not gonna lie. It's been, it's been challenging and I know it's been a challenging process for so many, but know you're not gonna say the, right, the wrong thing and know that that person 80, 90% of the time just wants to be listened to and just want to have a safe space to just share what's on their mind and let it go for that few moments. You don't need to be an experienced um, mental health first aider or a therapist or a counsellor. They just need someone to listen to. And that's it. So don't, don't put so much pressure on yourself to, to make sure that a conversation goes as swimmingly as possible. Um, ask that question. How are you? But how are you really, perhaps? You know, maybe ask that question. Um, ask that question twice. And um, a few other tips I've learned along the way is hobbies and interests, you know, do things that you love doing, you know, and, and do it in that moment. Don't, you know, life is too short, they say. And I definitely say, from what I went through, embrace every moment. If you want to go on that solo trip, do that solo trip. And I advocate solo trips, by the way, I love trips. I've booked my next one in November, um, pre-pandemic one. So I'm looking forward to that. So do something that you enjoy: arts, crafts, going for walks, being one with nature, just sitting alone um, in your room and breathing. You know, listening to the inner workings of your body. Magical. It could even be um, meeting your friends to go to the cinema. It could be, um, you know, cleaning out your room. Self-care. You know could be anything but find the right one for you find the one that makes you happy and only you and trial never and try it if you try you'll never know so give it all a go and and see where you find yourself and anything that works for you put that in a well well-being toolkit create a well-being toolkit whether it's a spreadsheet or a little box of post-it notes add to that because see that as yours you know see that as your mental health well-being um, capsule and and toolkit to get you going so those
0: are a few there is there is many others Um, but uh, yeah hope that helps (laughs) oh my goodness I mean you as an advocate as well as relaying your own experience I think you've just you've given us and our listeners just such a wealth of knowledge and information and a toolkit right there with what you were saying and Uh, On behalf of myself and Katie, before we go into the final section, but thank you so much for sharing today with us and for just imparting some of your knowledge, experience, your thoughts and feelings as well, because mental health is such a taboo still. I don't know. I hate that it is. Mm -hmm. But advocates and champions like you are really a beacon and I can't thank you enough for Mm -hmm. for sharing what you've shared with us today on such a special day so we offer all our guests a final sip now you did a pretty good job in that previous with that previous answer but so you can approach this at whatever angle you want to but we give our um guests the chance to just say what they want to say whether that's promoting something that's coming up Uh, something that's on their mind, uh, any advice, guidance, whatever you like. It'd be good if it was kind of connected with what we were talking about. But, you know, if you want to talk about what happened on Love Island, that's cool. You know, know, kind of related would be good.
2: Oh, God, Vicky, I think we need another whole year, year on this call, really. I mean, like, I could go on forever. But I think that one word that just jumps out to me um it's just be be your most authentic self be your most authentic version of you and i think that's that's powerful in in so many ways and that's individual to every single individual out there and what that looks like and i definitely also want to say that mental health suicide prevention it is everyone's responsibility No matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what age, it does not discriminate. It doesn't pick and choose individuals. It can affect anyone and everyone at any stage of their life. So this is why it's important to talk about it. And I am blessed to have this space to talk with you fine ladies on the 29th of August um, about this topic and I'm really hoping that the listeners tune in, take it on board. And if you are struggling, please, please, please reach out for help. Please do. And um, in terms of where you will find me, social media, um, and I'm, I'm an open book. So please do connect, follow. I'm on various social media outlets. Um, and uh, I'd love to have that conversation. And if you are, struggling know that I'm a mental first aid and you can always reach out to me and I'm happy always happy to have that talk the 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 door is open um I think that's all from me and thank you so so much
1: both of you really appreciate it thank you for Um, having me thank you I mean this has been so enlightening in so many different ways and just reiterating what Vicky said you know your strengths shines through in in all the work that you do I mean you just need to look at your website to just see the inspirational stuff and the work that you are pouring in to the mental health community is just phenomenal so thank you for taking the time today to just come and speak to us we really really do appreciate it and we we've got all your fantastic links um to add to our blog so that anyone can contact you and we'll also get some links from you about places that you might recommend that people would go for help if they want Absolutely. you know sort of major platforms to contact um so that we can add them on there as well but thank you once again i don't think i can say thank you enough yeah, because it yeah. has meant an awful lot so thank you I'm I'm saying it again um it's and just the- been such a
0: powerful episode it's just it it's hit me right in my core you know yeah <laughs> just, uh, yeah absolutely
1: yeah it has
0: it has i think this
1: one will stay with us for for quite yeah. some time so um listeners if you have liked what you heard today um you can go onto our blog and check out all the links to get in touch with sandeep if you want to and read her story in a little bit more detail and um, you can also check out our back catalogue of wonderful episodes we talk about all sorts of different things we talk about illnesses we talk about mental health we talk about I don't know anything you like any taboo topic you Couldn't can imagine anything yeah. we've pretty much we've pretty much gone there and there's more to come so that's exciting <laughs> but um yeah please check it all out and check out our website because we have got a support us page where you can go on and you could buy us a coffee or a tea or a jammy dodger I had a jammy dodger for oh, the first time the other day Jabby ages dodger. I know that was a throwback I, I actually think I would have dipped that in tea but I've had a tea at the time yes I do so think I would have dipped that and you know how I feel about dunking so yeah I do oh, dunk dump, uh, dump, dump,
2: dunk a jammy dodger in tea no I don't know no I reckon it'll go nice and old
1: grey just saying Sandy Ooh. just saying so you're not you're not a dunker no not with a jammy dodger you know if it's a digestive yes or
2: a tea or a hobnob You've got me. hobnob.
1: <laughs> You've got me. Yeah, yeah. yeah I could. T- i probably take a Yorkshire with a chocolate hobnob to give it that, you know, the chocolate contrast. Uh, but Vicky and I differ with our, our choices. And Vicky's a big dunker. I'm uh, dunker. I'm mm-hmm. a, I am more reserved in my dunking. But you know, I would have considered the um, the Jerry Dodger dunk. But there we are. It's again a whole other episode we could talk. Oh, about You think this. you're better than me, <laughs> yeah. don't
0: you? You non dunkin. <laughs>
1: i oh, just different,
2: just yeah, different. Yeah. <laughs> Your own unique way, Katie, I love that. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm always fearful when dunking, I might leave it in there for too long. It becomes soggy and it's just like sits at the bottom. It's horrible. Exactly. That's why I try to do. It's fear,
1: fear, oh. fear of the soggy biscuit. <laughs> no one needs that.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I've complete, completely lost my train of thought. Um, so, yeah buy us a biscuit or a tea or a coffee or whatever you like um and please tune in for the rest of our episodes which are coming very very soon every friday and they're available on all major pl- podcasting platforms so thanks ever so much for listening everyone and we will see you again soon so it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from her and her
0: he and her. Her
2: and yeah. guys tune in to um Strong Tea Podcast. It's amazing. And and thank you guys for having me on. Thank you. Oh, thank, thank you. you.
1: We'll see you all see again soon. very, very soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.